This is the Forge Podcast, keeping you up to date with the latest and greatest Forge happenings to make student disciples who will go, grow, and overcome. This series is coming to a close here in a few weeks. Tonight, we're going to go into how God actually designed you for intimacy, but really how he designed you for sexuality. And it's not a topic that we shy away from. It's a topic that the church by and large has shied away from to its own detriment. Because by and large, and Lauren can attest to this, um, she has friends to this day in their 30s, and this is like so parents back in this that era were like, we don't talk about it. You don't talk about it. It's hush-hush. It's taboo. It's ew. And she has friends to this day that like, can't say certain words or like giggle when, you know, something's talked about and they're like, shit, you were just talking about us. And they're like 35 and married and have kids. And you think, well, you clearly, um, but okay. So uh, it's just like to our detriment, churches haven't shared the truth about this. And you guys know that when someone just doesn't talk about it, it kind of makes you more curious, right? It like makes you be like, well, I, well, I, why don't we talk about that? I remember there were certain rooms or certain things in, in my house that I just wasn't allowed to go. And my parents never really told me why. It was just like, oh, don't go there. Or like, I, I didn't know it was there. Every time my parents left the house, where did I go? I, I, just, I just went because it was just not talked about. So um, we want to openly talk about it and share, share truth. And so tonight will be um, just a little bit more. It's, it's, uh, it's called God's Clear Will for Sexuality. And first, we're going to review what, what we talked about last week as always. And last week, I gave you some laws of, of sin. Does anyone remember those laws of sin? How God really designed you for purity. God designed you for intimacy, and there's this enemy of intimacy called sin. And there were a couple laws of sin, sin and separation. I gave you the first one. What's the first law? Separation and sin. Flip them. Sin separates. And not not just sexual sin, not just impurity, but any sin separates you from God relationally. And I need to be really, really clear every time I say this. Your standing in Jesus Christ does not change by you or anybody else because when you are saved, when you have your faith in Christ, you are sealed by His Spirit and held tight by His hand and His grip and nothing can pry you out. But relationally, just if Meg and I, if there's something between us, like I yelled at her in school and she was misbehaving and like throwing spit wads, now we're not okay, you know, our relationship kind of wanes because I'm like, man, you were really like treating me like poo-poo today. You kind of hurt. And we have to be mended. She has to come and apologize. And I say, I forgive you. The same thing happens with God. When we sin in any way, our thoughts, our actions, our anger, our whatever, it just, it breaks that, that lovely fellowship we have with God where we feel okay and safe and at peace coming to him because we know there's just something between us. But there was another law, two words that started with an I. What were those? And I talked about blowing up from the inside. What's that word? When it blows up from the inside. <laughs> Right? Yeah, I think of that like when something blows up underwater and it implosion. What implodes? Sin separates, but specifically, what implodes? A word that starts with an I that rhymes with bimorality. Im- immorality, no, not immortality. Okay, no, immorality implodes, meaning from 1 Corinthians, there's something very specific about sexual sin that it's against yourself and it causes so much more havoc than any other sin because it's literally against your own body. 
And we were really clear to say like, immorality isn't just cheating on your spouse or having sex before you're married. It's anything that's impure. Any like, you know, off-color jokes, any, off, any, any looks, any, any lusting, any, anything inappropriate, God says that is against yourself. And there's a special distance that it creates between you and God because of how personal of a sin that is and how personally God gets offended because it goes against his intimacy with you. And so we said that immorality implodes and none of us are immune to it. So we have to know that that is a particular type of danger that we have to be even more careful of guarding ourselves against. And then we shared that, well, we're not out of the water. We're never going to be perfect. So our next point was two R's. Sin separates, immorality implodes, but how can we get back together with God? Repentance reunites or restores. Excellence. Repentance restores. Repentance unites. I think I used reunites last week and not restores, but um, exactly. And, and that promise in 1 John 1, 9, and guys, gals, memorize this verse. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There should not be a day go by that as Christians we don't get honest with God and said, God, I did this today, I did this today, I did this today. God, this was a sin against you, God. I even sinned and I didn't even know it. Would you please forgive me of this sin? And then that should cause us to say, wow, God, thank you that you forgave me of that. Thank you that now I can just talk to you freely and we can get on with the rest of this prayer. Do any of you remember that acronym for that type of prayer where you start with adoration and then you confess and then you give thanks and then you ask God for things? By supplicating acts so that that confession restores not your standing with Jesus Christ and God but just that lovely fellowship that we have with him okay so that was last week this week is pretty fun God's clear will for sexuality I'm gonna talk about two things I'm gonna talk about the purpose and I'm gonna talk about the perversions okay and then I'm gonna talk about the point so the purpose the perversion and the point so God designed you as a sexual being and I'm not shocking anybody, am I? Uh, no. You say as voices crack and weird things are going on in your head and bodies and whatever. Like, I'm not shocking you, okay? No shock whatsoever. So we're going to go through the purpose, the perversions, and the point. So uh, if you would please get your phones or your Bibles out. We're going to turn all the way to page 1. Genesis 1.1. In your Bibles, we're going to be in Genesis 1.27. First... We are in the purpose of our sexuality is we are by design. Design meaning the God who thought you up created you with a distinct plan, like a blueprint that made sense. So Genesis 1.27 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds in the heavens and every living thing. He said, Behold, I had given you every plant yielding seed and every beast on the earth and every bird in the heaven. I have given every good plant. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made. And behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. So God made man and woman together, separate and distinct, for a purpose of unity. They were to come together and have babies. He said, be fruitful and multiply. It made sense that God made the two to be compatible. And he, he, he didn't just say, 
go have babies and breed like rabbits. He said, subdue the earth, subdue the plants, subdue the, the birds and subdue all that. And if, and if God were to do that like now with the technology he have, he would have been like, you know, manage the factories and, you know, run the churches. And, but here, I mean, there was only like Adam and Eve only had a couple things to do, right? Well, they could tend to the animals. They could deal with plants and fruits and they could make babies. They didn't have Scrabble. So it's just by design, God made them male and female. It just made sense. Designed to complement. How do men and women complement one another? I'm not, say, I, I'm not saying like, you know, Justine, you don't say to Ryan, Ryan, I love your hair. <laughs> and Ryan, you don't say to Justine, Justine, I love your hair, but do something with the uh, split ends there you were looking at. And not like, <laughs> you're cute. I don't mean that type of compliment. How do men and women complement or fulfill one another? Mitchell, you bring up a great point. Lauren, and I'll, I'll use myself and Lauren, but Lauren loves to, to cook. Lauren loves to provide for the family because by nature, she is a nurturer. She provides for needs. God made, by and large, women with the innate desire to meet needs and to nurture. And part of that comes across as sometimes making food. Now, in every husband and wife relationship, it's not always the woman that cooks. Sometimes God, God lets a woman be married to an awesome chef. And I'd be like, um, hey, babe, I love that you want to be nurturing, but can I just cook because it's really good, right? Like, it's not saying that the woman cooks. It's saying they're a nurturer. And if, that's, if that works in the family that she can do that and be nurturing by that, by all means, do that. What's maybe the man's compliment? Goes to work. The reason I don't cook dinner is because I'm not there while it's being made. God has, God has given men by and large in their heart and their soul a desire to produce and work and provide. And guys, that, that is true. And you know, you, you may know it now by like how you, 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 you may like to do some, some work around the house and like, hey, I have this sense of I'm helping out. Maybe if there's a need, I can help solve it. But when you become married and you have the opportunity, men, to work hard and provide and deal with some of the things that give a, a roof and give money to put food on the table and things like that. Not saying that women don't work. Trust me, Lauren doesn't work because I can't afford to send her to work. Meaning like if we had to pay somebody to do what she did, there is no way the both of us could make enough money to pay somebody that. But it's just in our heart to provide. Like it's, it's, it's just how we're made. So we complement one another that way. How else do we complement one another? Okay, imagine your parents, and I'm, I'm just gonna be general as if it's our household, okay? Imagine if your parents were both like me and that when Madison or Colton or Weston or Remington crossed the line, both parents went, Weston, put it down now. And they go, but dad, one more word, that's a spanking, son. And, and, and like Lauren's back here going, Matt, Matt, just, just let me get them. Like, they just buy it. They just, but Lauren's back there going, honey, gracious, they're tired. They haven't eaten yet. What if both of your parents were that maybe quick to respond strong, like, mm -mm, that's the line, you cross it. Would that be a, a nice household? No, but by, by and large, Lauren is much more gracious, much more understanding, 
and I'm a little bit more black and white, like, no, there was a line and you cross it and I don't care the reason. And so we help complement one another because sometimes I'm saying kids to you. I don't think you're kids, but as kids, as children of parents, you know within your heart that a parent that has boundaries loves you. And a, a mother that disciplines you and a father that disciplines you loves you. And that's one way they show love. And so I can compliment Lauren by saying, Lauren, we're being too easy on them. They need a consequence for this. They need the line drawn. Like, there's a time for grace, but this isn't now. And so, yeah, we, we compliment one another that way. How else do we compliment one another? In general, and this is kind of true in our house, kind of true, it is true. If I were left to myself, it would be a mess. You should see the inside of my Jeep. Who goes in my Jeep? Only one person, me. Lauren has this great nurturing and this great see, like she sees the, the big picture, this needs to be done, this needs to be done, like let's, let's clean this up, let's make things neat and tidy, and I'm kind of task driven, I don't care what's going on around me, I'm focused on this, and when I'm done I'll throw something around and like this is going on, so we compliment one another like that, for sure. What about, guys, what's on the board? An outlet, yeah. Do you guys know what the end of a hose is that turns? It's called the female end. Do you know what the end of the hose is that goes into the thing that turns? The male end. God designed us to compliment, because can I make a baby on myself? No. Can she make a baby by herself? No. No. We are literally designed, as God said, listen, this isn't inappropriate. This is by design. God said, be fruitful and multiply and work together to tend to the earth. Like it is literally by design this happens. That wasn't an accident that it was made like to just work. Next, design to enjoy. You know what? When Adam was naming the animals here in, in, in Genesis, like we can turn to Genesis 3, actually, sorry, Genesis 2. So then the Lord God said, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper for him now out of the ground. God formed every beast of the bird in the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called the living creature, that was his name. The man gave names to all the livestock and said to the birds of the heavens and every beast of the field, but for Adam there was not found a helper for him. So imagine you're Adam and you're like seeing all the animals and you're like, cool, girl, cow, boy, cow, all right, uh, heifer, bull, sweet, girl, elephant, boy, elephant, hmm, bull, I don't know what the girl elephant's called, do you know? Lamb, you got a, a lamb is a, is a, is a you. And a, what's, a, what's a boy lamb called? A ram, thank you, a ewe and a ram. And, and you know, these, he's, he's got like the, the red cardinal flying by and then the brown cardinal flying by. He's like, huh, that's a cardinal. One's a boy, one's a girl, okay. Then Adam looks around and he goes, what's up, God? Notice anything weird here? I don't have anybody. And so God said, you know what? I'm going to create someone for you. I'm going to create the perfect compliment for you. And then God creates woman. And look what Adam says. So, of course, you know, God took from the rib and fashioned woman out of that, out of that rib. And the man said, this is that last bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, man shall leave his father and mother and hold on to his wife. The two shall become one flesh. And they said they were both naked and not afraid. And that's not a weird phrase. That's just saying there was no shame between them. There was no secrets between them. There was no shame. Like, it was perfect unity. Now let's talk about compliments, okay? Because you guys want to say, like, well, to compliment it, I say something nice. Look what Adam said when he first saw a woman. This is at last bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. He saw every creature had a similar counterpart. 
except him. And he goes, oh, finally. Like, have you guys ever been to a wedding? I'm sure girls pay attention. Um, this is me stereotyping and guys are kind of like, ah, but secretly you're paying attention. When, when everyone stands up to see the bride, where do you look? At the bride? No, that's what everyone thinks you look. You, you look at the groom, the, the bride for a second, and they're like, ah, oh, and then you look at the groom to see his face. And he goes, like, wow, that's for me? Like the absolute perfect gift God could have given Adam was the perfect compliment. So when you're at that wedding and, 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 the, and the bride, you know, thumb, 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 you go, oh, pretty. Let me see his face. That's where you look at a wedding. Is you look at the face of the groom and you get a picture of this, like, it's designed to enjoy. And it says leave father and mother, meaning like you don't have to be there. Like you can be there now. You can, you can go and be and enjoy with the person that I made you for. That's by design. It should literally bring you joy. God's so cool. Next, designed to teach, Ephesians 5.33. Oh, I am not going to get through this whole message today. We're just going to stop right here. Ephesians 5.33, Paul's been talking to this church about kind of the role, if you will, of husbands and wives. So Paul says, however, let's each, wait, 31. He says, therefore, man shall leave his father and mother. Does that sound familiar? Genesis, what we just read, okay. So this is going back to Genesis. Therefore, man shall leave his father and mother, shall hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Meaning, marriage and how a man and a woman come together to perfectly complement one another. And by the way, asterisks. Did God create man and woman pre-sin for each other? God created man and woman, took out of the rib from Adam. Did he do that before they ate of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Before sin entered the world and ruined everything. Yes. Hear me say, when I say, you were designed for this oneness, this sexuality, this intimacy with somebody else before sin. So it is not sin. It's not this thing that's like, I don't know what that is, but it's not ew. It's really, 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 really good. We're going to learn for a little bit this week and next week, sin messed it up. Sin messed it up, but by nature it is good and great. And he said it's designed to teach you, like, I want this to give you a glimpse of what the relationship between the church and Jesus Christ is like. Basically, the relationship between you and Jesus Christ, it's going to be like that perfect union, at least perfect by design, too bad sin messed mess it up and gave you moms and dads that are sinners and you get to hear them, you know, you get to hear their good parts and you get to hear their bad parts and how they argue and how I get angry and how, you know, you know, Lord, I don't know what you love, you We're sinners. Like sin messed it up, but God designed it perfectly to teach us that your union with Christ, your intimacy with God can be perfect. And it was really designed to teach us that. And you have the opportunity right now in big church, we're talking about these hinge generations, basically generations that can change the course of a family, of a, you can change the, the, the you, can, you can create your own legacy. You have the opportunity if your parents don't model that, and not perfectly, but don't give you, by the way, I love that you guys said that you, you, really, you really look up to your dad. That was awesome. And they're modeling that, hey, 
this is what it's supposed to be like, keep on doing it. If you don't have that model, you can say, you know what? I'm going to model to my kids, Christ and the church through my marriage, that my unity with Christ should be really, really awesome. God designed marriage to teach us about that. And I think it's really cool. Like, I think God is so good because of how he designed food. You, you know we need energy to survive, right? We need carbohydrates, we need proteins, and we need fats just to do everything we need to do in life, don't we? But you know what? God, God could have just given us this, like, plain wafer of stuff to eat, and that could have been what we know as food, right? He didn't have to make it, like, taste like pizza or cheeseburger or popcorn or salad. You love salad, Mitchell. Like, he didn't have to make it taste so good. I'm like, that's just a glimpse of his goodness. God wanted to teach us about unity with him, and he, he's trying to teach us through, it, through this thing called sexuality and, and marriage. That's just really awesome that he made it like that. Like, he, he could have chosen any other way to, 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 to teach us like that. But he said, you know what? I'm going to give this gift to him. And next week, I kind of alluded to us, your intimacy and sexuality was designed with absolute perfection intended. And then sin came in and messed it up. So next week, what, what we're going to talk about is that next P of perversion. Sin came in and twisted it. Sin came in and said, God designed you for sexuality, and of course God has boundaries, because God loves you. And I'm gonna twist those boundaries. I'm gonna say, nah. I'm gonna twist it, I'm gonna make the wrong right and right wrong, and I'm just gonna mess up what I intended to be perfect. So next week we're gonna talk about those perversions and the truth of it. So you don't, because you all know what the perversions are. Michael is gonna come and say, this is what the truth says. Recognize a perversion for a perversion and recognize truth for truth and stand for that truth. And I just think we have a lot to stand up right now and praise God for because we just have that relationship with him and he is so good to us.